Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. How y'all doing? Lots to talk about. Obviously, we got a couple of wars going on around the world that we are financially involved with already. We're not going to get uh, militarily involved, at least with troops in the uh, Ukraine, but um, we certainly could in the Middle East. There's, I heard reporting on NBC today that the Biden administration is already determined if Hezbollah gets involved, then we're in. So wow. I don't know. Plus, a an immigration update, specifically the number of folks from the Middle East who were apprehended in just the last week or so at one sector on the border concerning perhaps not perhaps certainly uh but right now let's talk about some of these spicy stories going on uh, right now with david drucker senior writer at the dispatch prior to that of course he was senior correspondent for the washington examiner and david's also the author of the book in trump's shadow the battle for 2024 and the future of the gop david welcome how are you hey good to be here thank you uh how are you liking uh, working at the dispatch so far i really like it um nope no no sarcasm it's it's a great gig. I think we do a lot of really good work, and they free me up to just pursue and report really good stories. Yeah, and you're awesome on there. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today, in addition to the fact that you're probably the best at reporting on stuff like the Republican House Speaker fight, you seem pretty fired up as I was about the failure of the prestige U.S. media on Tuesday going ahead and announcing that Israeli Israel had bombed a hospital before they knew what was going on, which really pisses me off. Look, guys, this is pretty typical. Um, I'm not even the biggest... Look, I'm in the media, so rather than criticize the media, I just try and do my job. 
But I will say, as, as an observer of American and Middle East politics for decades, I'm just old enough that now I've been able to observe this for decades, this is par for the course. Um, this might be new to some people, but this always happens. Uh, people jump to conclusions when it has to do with Israel, uh, conclusions they don't jump to when it has to do with other countries and other non-state actors. And, you know, in this case, it's just in the middle of a very volatile situation that has the potential to have a real uh, damaging impact in the region and domestically. Uh, but, I, but I wasn't surprised because this is, again, it's just this is what happens. Well, as a number of people have pointed out, one of the problems with that is the media, which usually leans left and supports Democratic policies, hurt the president's own policies as he had to cancel some meetings, hurt the prospect for peace, which would help Palestinians. I mean, I don't even understand their motivation other than hating on Israel, I guess. I think, well, I think, look, I think you're, some people might be overthinking this, Um, you know, even though the media can and has demonstrated over the years to have a left-leaning bias, they're not. There's not some place where they all go meet and decide what the what the party's message is for the day. And so I think this has to do with a worldview, not a political bias necessarily, uh, but just a worldview about how they view the Israeli government. And it, the point I was trying to make, not that anybody cares, was that it's our job as journalists to be skeptical of everything and everyone. But not, but but skepticism doesn't deserve to be dished out equally. In the case of Hamas, which is a terrorist organization that purposely targets civilians, just stepping back from whatever your opinions of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and dispute is uh, are, uh, this group is not a normal army that operates according to the law, the international laws of war. They never have. And they've even shown a willingness to put their own people in danger just to get Israel to get blamed for the misfortune that then befalls their own people or the death. And that's how they operate. So uh, my response to this isn't you should believe the Israeli government. No, you, you shouldn't believe the Israeli government, but you should show Hamas more skepticism than you do the Israeli government and just... Say you don't know and wait until you know and have enough information. Well, my final thought on the topic is if you're going to be completely credulous and print somebody's claims about something, the fact that that somebody was Hamas and they printed those claims is just astounding to me. But uh, moving along uh, with David Drucker of the Dispatch, uh, David, I've been referring to the contest to elect a House Speaker as a clown show. Is that unnecessarily harsh in your opinion? (laughs) I don't know. I think you're di- being disrespectful to clowns. That's an honorable profession because you you actually make people laugh and do a service. Right. Beautiful. Somebody will get a balloon animal at the end. I mean, there's there's benefits to it. So uh, where are we currently? Nowhere. Um, Republicans can't agree amongst themselves on on anybody when it comes to delivering 218 votes for the gavel. And so there's a lot of discussion now about um, elevating, or I should say empowering Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McHenry, a North Carolina Republican, um, with a lot of the authority that goes along with being the actual Speaker of the House. This would allow the chamber to get back to work, move legislation, 
Um, we're about a month away from the government running out of money again. Uh, the president this evening is going to pitch a big aid package for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan. And we think Taiwan and possibly some, some domestic border security money, um, although it's unclear. But we know that, that Israel, aid for Israel and Ukraine are going to be uh, packaged together. At least that's what the president's going to propose. And that's what I think the Senate is going to move on. And so you know what? Oh, go ahead. in order to pass this legislation is going to need to be operable. And so Republicans are going to have to figure out what they want to do. I don't know that we're near this McHenry solution. But it's what's being discussed because nobody wants to uh, – look, it, I, I know I'm talking long here, but the reason Republicans are in this mess is because there are not enough of them that want to follow their own rules. Their rules say that in an internal conference election, whoever gets the most votes above a certain number is the speaker designate when they're in the majority, and they're all supposed to vote for that person on the floor. It's not that it's binding constitutionally, but that, that's the rules they have for themselves. They wouldn't honor it with Kevin McCarthy. They wouldn't honor it with Steve Scalise. And so now members that always go along because they want to govern and be pragmatic finally said, I've had enough. If you don't have to follow the rules, neither do I. Well, you're a, a fine psychic, as I was just going to say. The uh, crazy part to me is that, you know, they can't re- arrive at a result is too bad, but they can't even arrive at a process. Apparently, all of the rules and customs are out the window. So let's move on to what's it look like behind the scenes? I, I understand there's some serious arm twisting uh, to vote for Jordan, backlash, etc. Look, um, Jordan has been trying to... Um bring his opponents along, but I don't think he can. There's a lot of ill will in the conference right now. We talk about it as being a dysfunctional conference, but it's now also very factionalized. There's a lot of ill will. There are a lot of hurt feelings. There's a lot of frustration. And whether or not Jordan is responsible for this or looked the other way, or even whether or not he told his allies off of Capitol Hill, please stop, and they just didn't listen, one of the problems that the Republicans who oppose him have is that they feel like Jordan and his allies were bringing outside pressure to bear and threatening them, threatening them with primary challengers, that there's, that these, these pro-Jordan activists were even uh, sending in death threats. And, wow. and, and it gets to the fact that that's what some members have alleged. And, and they've released statements to that effect. Well, if I but got a death threat and I thought that, if I got a death threat and I thought it came from Jordan's people, especially with his knowledge, yeah, I wouldn't be real likely to vote for him. Yeah, well, I think the other thing though too is so when conservative activists and some House Republicans who support Jordan make the case that this is what the voters want, what what a lot of House Republicans hear is, oh, so I'm supposed to do whatever Jordan wants because your voters. My voters like him better than me, and he's going to use that against me. And, and members of Congress want to be the stars in their own district. They understand that when there's a president that their voters like, they're under pressure to work with that president or even just support that president uh, without, you know, too much, you know, without, without too much trouble. But when another – when a congressional leader says, do what I say or your voters are going to be angry – as opposed to I'm going to help you succeed in your district. It's just it's not the way you win a congressional leadership race, which was is different than running for office where voters are the constituency versus members of Congress. So how certain are you that the Patrick McHenry move is the next step? Is there just no other road to take at this point? 
it appears that there's no other road to take at this point, but I'm not sure if it's necessarily the next step versus no step. And it sort of depends on how many House Republicans are willing to go along and do this, because you're going to have a, you know, some significant member of the conference, even though it, it may be a minority, that's going to oppose doing this. And so the thinking would be that Democrats would join in with this. And, you know, McHenry sort of has to be willing. Like, I guess he could say, forget it, I'm not going to serve. But I think we just kind of need to see whether Jordan calls another vote today. My sources tell me that he's likely likely to lose more votes, that there are more members than we saw in the first two votes that, that are opposing him, but they want to stagger their votes so that it's clear that it's like it's going backwards wow. versus even staying the same. But, you know, this has been such a volatile, uncertain process. I'm hesitant to make predictions versus just kind of tell you what I'm hearing. So clown show, inappropriate poop show, I suppose, uh, more appropriate. I'll be going with that in the future. Final question, David. Uh, we were uh, chatting about this earlier. Have you heard whether the president's address, 8 o'clock Eastern tonight, is going to be live or not? He's an old man, you see. No, it's going to be live. Yeah. No, you don't do it a is. office address that's not live. Yeah. And you, so it's 8 Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific, which means, you know, people are, you know, theoretically off work or on their way home, if not home yet. That's why you wait until eight o'clock. Well, that's pretty late in the day after a. That's a pretty late in the day after a long trip and a lot of time zones and all that sort of stuff for him. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I, you know, I understand how people feel about his age, um, but he, he, he's, he's been able to do this before, and and um, and so you know, it'll be interesting to see what's in the speech. The speech is about Israel and Ukraine. He had been planning a, an address about Ukraine before uh, Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th. So now we've got this sort of combined address. It, I wonder if it's his first Oval Address. I have to check. Uh, but obviously, you know, presidents use the Oval Office for these addresses very sparingly, mm. not to dilute the significance of it and the power of it. Mm. And we'll see, you know, what he says and, and, and how Americans react to it. David Drucker, senior writer at The Dispatch. His uh, latest book is In Trump's Shadow, The Battle for 2024 and the Future of the GOP. Good to talk to you, David. Thanks a bunch. Anytime, guys. Thank you. That's interesting. I think that might be an inside baseball thing. I'm not sure the average person distinguishes between an Oval Office address and one where he's standing at a podium in the hallway. So maybe to all you reporters, that's significant. But I don't think the average person differentiates. I and don't. A, I never have. A, I agree with you, and B, uh, given the uh, the hour of night that we're talking about and sundowner syndrome, which anybody who's dealt with dementia knows about, I think it would be foolish not to tape it. What's the necessity for doing it live? We'll do it live! Uh, I guess it would. at this point it would only be because when word leaks out, they taped it, and then people start saying, this is the first time a president has ever blah, 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 or just the second time or something like that. It becomes a political weapon. Trump truths out about how he had to tape it because he was asleep during his own speech and stuff like that. I still think that's a better strategy than rolling the dice. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, true. It could go so sideways in front of a giant audience. Well, there's something to look forward to. Uh, more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. It's time to take your body care routine to the next level. Introducing Osea's bestseller body care set, the perfect companion for your summer travels. This four-piece kit transforms dry skin to silky, soft, and glowing. 
It features travel sizes of Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil and Body Butter, clinically proven to improve skin elasticity, along with their anti-aging body balm and salts-of-the-earth body scrub. And to top it off, it's packed in a vegan leather bag, making it a must-have for all your summer adventures. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat yourself to glowing, healthy skin this summer with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, you can get the best seller's body care set valued at $78 for 33% off. Use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A uh, quick text before we get to some breaking news. We talked about this earlier because we got an email from somebody who said they weren't going to listen anymore. Um, the House is in a battle for the heart of the Republican Party, says this texter. The good old boy business as usual establishment versus the we the people. It's worth the fight. It has to happen. And so, uh, as we said to the person who said they weren't going to listen anymore, can you text back who is the who's the crowd you're rooting for other than Matt Gates? Who's the who's the face of the taking it back? Or your favorite sources for information? Right, that sort of thing. Yeah. And we're not to, we're not trying to catch you out or anything. No. I'm just curious. Correct. Uh, if if I uh, accepted the sincerity of some of the we the people folks, I would be more inclined to jump on their bandwagon. But we can talk about that more later. This is breaking news, Michael. Breaking news. When news breaks, the donkey brays on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Sidney Powell, Trump-aligned lawyer. Indicted in Georgia, accused of participating in a plot to overturn uh, former President Donald J. Trump's loss, blah, blah, blah. Pleaded guilty on Thursday morning to six misdemeanor counts of conspiracy uh, in exchange for getting hit with nothing that would send her to jail. Uh, She was also fined $6,000 and agreed to pay $2,700 in restitution to the state of Georgia, as well as write an apology letter, quote, to the citizens and the state of Georgia. Dear state and citizens of Georgia, I, Sidney Powell, am very sorry for what I have done. <laughs> I should not have done it. Please forgive me. Signed, Sidney Powell. You have to write. How an, good does it have to be? You have to write. <laughs> how long? You have to write an apology letter to a state. What kind of a penalty is that? Well, they're going to have like a professor of rhetoric at the University of Georgia grade it, and if it's not a B or better, well, with grade inflation, everything's a B or better. Better. What the heck is that? So I suppose there are two arguments to make. One would be, look, even the leading light of the Stop the Steal has pled guilty and didn't even believe the stuff she was saying, or you would say she's just trying to stay out of jail or going broke, so she took the best deal she could get. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad characterization um, either way. Uh, did I mention that she agreed to uh, testify on behalf of the prosecution in exchange for the, the plea? Okay. 
That could get interesting. I should have mentioned that, and if I didn't, I, Joe Getty, apologize to the listeners and families of listeners of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Signed, Joe Getty. And the state of New Hampshire. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, uh, If she testifies, now that could get interesting. That could get danged interesting, couldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I don't have a great sense of that case. The uh, Alvin Bragg stuff is idiotic. The documents thing, eh, problematic. The Georgia, depends who you ask. Oh, the real estate inflating the values thing is political crap. But the Georgia thing might have teeth. We've got so much to get to today. I hope you can stay with us. We do four hours. If you miss a segment, you can get the podcast. Just subscribe, and then you'll get all the segments. That's the way that works. The number of Middle Easterners during this period of terrorism and death who are caught at the U.S. border in recent days will shock you. Stay with us, please. A lot of good stuff to come. Armstrong and Getty. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. New poll out has uh, Trump with an almost 20-point advantage on immigration, including a whole bunch of other topics, too, but almost a 20-point advantage on immigration. Not the least bit surprising. Trump, the evil, racist, put-kids-in-cages president, has a 20-point lead over Biden on immigration. Hmm. It's funny, isn't it? Got this email from Mary in Idaho proposing a new segment, Things We're Not Talking About Anymore. Illegal immigrants taking over U.S. cities. Gavin Newsom debating Ron DeSantis. The economy. Trans issues. Qui bono. Is that Sonny and Cher's transgender son, Qui bono? No, that's Chaz bono. My mistake. Qui bo- what's, what's that? I'm being told. Ah, qui bono is actually a Latin phrase asking who benefits. The left, Mary says. Oh, I, yeah. I, uh, well, uh, that's true, but I'm not sure the left attacked Israel. Nay, I don't think there's a conspiracy afoot. Yeah, I mean, you could you though. could make the opposite argument. That there's not being a lot of talk of there are daily things coming out of the Trump trial that normally the media would love to be telling you all about, but there's no room for it because of Israel. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so, who here's as uh, passionate about Canadian politics as I am? Show of hands. What? What? <laughs> This guy is being hailed as a hero online, and and I really think he is. Uh, He's the leader of the Canadian Conservative Party, Pierre Polivre, or how I don't know. I took like six weeks of French once. Uh, But 
the sound you hear is he is casually munching on an apple while a typically liberal media member from the Canadian press is trying to uh, talk him into a corner and, and accuse him of all sorts of stuff. It's, uh, it's really quite satisfying. 13, Michael. On the, on the topic, I mean, in terms of your sort of strategy currently, you're obviously taking the populist uh, pathway. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> well, certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently. Like what? A lot of people would, would say that you're simply taking a page out of the Donald Trump uh, Probably book. Like which people would say that? Well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, but... Like who? <laughs> I don't know who, but... Well, you're um, the one who asked the question, so yeah. how, you must know somebody. <laughs> okay. Taking the page of Donald Trump's book, but What are you also... talking about? What page? What page? Can you give okay. me a page? Give me the page. You keep <laughs> in, saying in terms, that. In terms of tur- turning things quite dramatically, in terms of... I'm, I'm not sure. I don't, under, I don't know what your question okay. is. <laughs> oh, and it goes on. There's more than that. Uh, there's more than that. What the hell? That's the disappointed sound of Joe's voice. There's more than that. But I was not consulted on that edit. That's Damn pretty, it. That's pretty funny. Like who? Uh, what What people? <laughs> what who? Who said that? <laughs> what page? He wouldn't let him. And then, then in the second part, which is some of the wisest words ever uttered by humankind, but you will not hear them because of an unauthorized edit. He explains that, look, here's what I'm about. And he gives his platform, and it's all perfectly reasonable. But in Canada, if you're not hip to it, old Justin Trudeau, who's the prime minister, is left of Trotsky. I mean, he is just such a weasel. And so if you're at all moderate, you're portrayed by the the, uh, Canadian press as some sort of right-wing lunatic. So anyway, back to things we haven't been talking about as much. Situation on the border. You have the terrorist group Hamas <clears throat> slaughtering over a thousand Israelis, foreign nationals, children, babies, etc. You have Hezbollah poised on the northern border trying to wipe out Israel, chanting death to America. And we have an open border. How are those two things related? Well, the story from Eagle Pass, Texas, is according to a source within the CBP, 11 special interest aliens from Middle Eastern nations were encountered in less than one week at one sector, the Border Patrol's Del Rio sector. During the week of October 8 to 14, Border Patrol agents apprehended six Iranian nationals. That's plenty. Three Lebanese nationals, one Egyptian, one Saudi Arabian national that made landfall in Texas on the banks of the Rio Grande. So that's nice. Uh, the CBP source uh, said things are developing so quickly in the region and migrants from the area continue to arrive at the southern border presents an intelligence challenge for us. And as always, we must point out that if they encountered and apprehended 11, there were probably roughly 11 that they didn't encounter and apprehend. If Trump ends up getting elected president again, a big part of it is going to be that 20-point lead he's got on immigration. Yes, absolutely true. Yeah. And I could see building like two walls and, you know, whoever could pay for it. But then this story, speaking of things that come from Mexico uh, or at least through Mexico, San Francisco, 
formerly wonderful city, is on track to surpass the number of accidental overdose deaths from each of the last two years, which were horrifying, if you may, if you do recall, uh, 650 in 2022, 642 in, 200, in 2021, many, many multiples of the, pe- the number of people who died of COVID. Um, they're on track to surpass that number by the end of this month, according to newly released preliminary figures from the city's chief medical examiner. As we pointed out before, if three kids are hurt on uh, big wheels nationwide, there's a recall, the cost of millions of dollars and thousands of hours of labor, but you can have hundreds of thousands of people dying of overdoses and still permit open-air drug markets in some of our blue cities. It's crazy. Open-air drug markets? You mean people suffering, suffering from being unhoused? I'm looking up at the TV, and they've got America's Homeless Crisis. Uh, programs hit the streets to help the homeless. No mention, as far as I can tell, looking up there, of drug addiction, which drives the whole street people thing more than anything. But that's just... uh... So the number one problem with street people is not the problem that gets addressed. How are you ever going to solve it? In fact, it's not even the problem that gets mentioned. Now, folks, I'm going to use a harsh term here. I want you to know I'm not talking about you, to quote Elvis. If you are talking about the so-called homeless crisis and you don't begin by differentiating between junkies, those who are unable to take care of themselves because of physical or mental infirmities, and people who are temporarily homeless because they lost their place or whatever, if you don't differentiate between those groups and you pretend that it's all one thing or mostly one thing, you are A, an ass clown, or B, wow. you're profiting from the homeless industrial complex. An AC. Yeah, I stand by my words, harsh though they were. How can you possibly? I mean, can you imagine running an emergency room? Everybody comes through the door. You just hit them with antibiotics. I got a broken arm over here. You don't separate the, how you're going to treat people with, you know, the grievous injuries versus disease. That would make you, I mean, to say you're a quack is, is insufficient. You're not even a doctor. You're not even going to mention drug addiction. Well, that, see, when you mention drug addiction, people tend to judge people and they don't have sympathy. And so, yeah, that's not handy to the narrative that I'm trying to pitch because I'm either an ass clown or profiting from this. Frustrating. Well, especially when, depending on where you live, millions to billions of your tax dollars are being poured into the the idea, the charade of, of curing the problem. The other poll number uh, mentioned the one about immigration that's getting a fair amount of attention out of this new poll. President's Biden, President Biden's approval rating dropped to 37 percent in uh, one big poll, which is very, very low. But the the biggest thing was his disapproval rose to a record high of 58 percent. 58 is an incredibly high disapproval rating. And the belief generally in the uh, world of political science is that you don't turn around disapproval. Once somebody is willing to check, I disapprove, they don't usually go back ever. Whereas approval goes up and down. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's brutal. I busted my neck. He In that clip, he sounds way younger and more vital than he has in 18 months. 
So yeah. I thought of something semi-coherent. You want more on that topic? Or? I was just going to say, he's uh, he's had a pretty good string of pulling off the big addresses, the big speeches, uh, and not having a disaster. We'll see if he can do it live tonight, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern, which is pretty late for him, and address the nation. I hope he can because it's a couple of really important topics trying to drum up support for us supporting Israel and us supporting Ukraine, which a number of my favorite pundits have put together in a in a argument of this is the same thing. This is the same sort of thing. This is pushing back against the bad guys. We need to be so in support of that, but not all of you agree with that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so my final thought on the homelessness thing and the homeless industrial complex, just to put it in as, as simple a form as possible, I remember Tim Sandifer uh, several times through the years hit us with these beautifully simple thoughts like uh, they've uh, the government has confiscated our rights and they're selling them back to us. As we say, never use the word permit as a uh, noun without asking uh, the question as a verb. Why do I have to be permitted to do this? Shouldn't I just be allowed to unless I'm hurting somebody? Here's another one for you. Uh, we were talking about the amount of money spent on on quote unquote homelessness, the homeless crisis. It's uh, what's Gavi Newsom saying he's going to spend like eight billion more this year? I can't remember. Um, if money is being spent, it is being received. Who is receiving the money? What are they doing with it? And has it does has it done any good? Any money that's spent is received by whom? Billions of dollars. Wow. $800,000 per unit in L.A. Come on. Maybe we'll talk about this later. ABC News going with a Jim Jordan story about the whole abuse allegations on the wrestling team when he was back there in Ohio. That story, remember, that bubbled up for a while a couple of years back. That's on ABC News site today. So I don't know if Scalise's team got that back in the news or who, but... uh, well, there are plenty of forces in the media who just hate Jim Jordan. No doubt. It's his jacketlessness that drives people not crazy. not sure that's the issue, but you're entitled to your opinion. People hate that. <laughs> um, but uh, but that and other things on the way. Stay here. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I read that Amazon has started delivering prescription medications by drone. Mm. Now, you know this is because Jeff Bezos is too embarrassed to go into a pharmacy for his Viagra. That's what it is. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was not. I am uh, fascinated by the whole Amazon drone thing, though, whether that that's going to... Because obviously, if that works, that will change. It'll be a giant change. Um, if they get that up and going the way they claim they're going to, I mean, oh, there'll be drones all over the place, and you'll be able to get stuff in, like, 20 minutes that you order. If you live anywhere close to one of those big distribution centers, yeah, anything under nine pounds for now, I guess. And they can cut across traffic and all that sort of stuff and all the difficulties of getting to where you are. It'll be absolutely amazing. I'm already amazed on how many things that, like, I go to order and it says, can I have, you buy, can I have this to you this afternoon? Really? I buy it for a couple of bucks? I get delivered to my home this afternoon? It's amazing. And I'm not Greta Thunberg over here, but it'll be better for the environment if they're not stuck in traffic all day delivering my fly swatters like I bought the other day, for instance. Uh, unless it turns out the drone engines are powered by, you know, panda spleens or something like that. <laughs> like the electric car I'll thing. Oh, it's, better. it's better for the environment. Yeah, except the batteries are t- the, all the mining that goes into the, the batteries are awful. Yes, the dark side of Amazon drones turns out they're powered by panda spleens. Yeah. They're growing pandas just to kill them for their spleens. Oh, Barbaric! Come on, China. <laughs> uh, the chicken sandwich wars have heated up. Read this in USA Today. The chicken sandwich wars have been a thing for a while. I still think chick fil What region of the earth is that afflicting? Yeah, maybe they shouldn't use the term war when there's all these actual wars going on. But anyway, Popeye's has got a new one with truff spicy mayo which goes on it that's supposed to be really good and supposed to challenge McDonald's new uh, chicken sandwich and Chick-fil-A's always popular chicken sandwich. I don't know what that word is you used. Truff? Truff, I don't know what that word is either. It's a combination of red jalapeno mayo and black winter truffle. Oh, I love black winter truffle. Your green spring truffle? I wouldn't put that in your mouth. I hate the flavor of truffle. Where was I? I was at some fancy dinner... Sometime a while back, like one of the most expensive dinners I ever ate in my life. And one of the reasons it was so expensive was truffle. God, what an awful flavor. It's like eating dirt. Y'all well, I've like often that? accused you of being hard of tasting. You know, have you gotten your taste back from COVID? Uh, I can't taste like sweet your ability. Still, still? Yeah. wow. Crazy. I may never taste sweet again, according to the doctor. Um, there's no reason to think it's ever going to come back. Which has actually caused me to eat more sweets. Everybody I say that to is, that must be fantastic. I'd love that. You would think so. But I eat more sweets than I've ever eaten in my life because my mind wants sweets and I'm not getting the taste of sweet when I eat a donut or a sugary cereal or whatever. I'll bet deep in your caveman brain you have a need to eat berries or fruit or something like that, um, and, and you're not getting that taste. Not getting that at all. A bowl of Frosted Flakes tastes like Wheaties to me. Just no sugar. I don't. I taste no sugar. 
Wow. Well, if you're over eight years old and eating Frosted Flakes, that's an issue right there. But I'm sorry. I had, a bowl of, I had a bowl of Frosted Flakes last night. They're child. fantastic. You child. God, that's a good cereal. Um, a delicious meal. Um, renting overland vehicles has become a thing. I don't know. Uh, the, the term overland vehicle, I don't know if you... It's, it's a, so those sprinter vans that got, you know, like that are super built up, The got the ladder on the back, you climb up on top and do the thing. <laughs> it's, just, it's like you're really sure, going yeah. off-roading. And then yeah. the, maybe you've seen a number of pickups where they've got these things, these like fold-out camper things that go on them too. Anyway, these are called overland vehicles. They can go places RVs can't go. And um, they're super hot right now. So if you want to be, I guess, in the cool crowd, that's the thing to do. I know a couple who are both retired from the military who bought one of the really, really nice ones, really expensive. And they're only home like one month a year. They spend all their time in gorgeous places, four-wheeling in and out and just living in nature. Sounds fantastic. United Airlines is going to change its boarding process, and they think this will save up to two minutes from boarding times. Would I notice two minutes? I suppose that's significant when you add it up all day long with gazillions of flights and a busy airport. But they're going to start using the Wilma process, which they were not using before, where passengers board window aisle, no, window window middle aisle. They call the Wilma process for some reason. Wilma! Instead of everybody just going on with your ticket, yeah. all the window seats will fill in first, then the aisle seats, or then the middle seats, then the aisle seats, which makes sense. I don't know why we weren't doing this before. Mm. And you don't have the somebody sitting in the aisle and your seat is in the window, so then they got to unbuckle and stand up and move the thing, and it takes way too long, and shouldn't they get out in the aisle and everybody's harumphing, and then you get in there, and yeah, so that'll do, end that, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. As a window seat guy, I'm concerned about this because people who are concerned about uh, space for their carry-ons will start choosing the window seat more. But oh, I guess I I, can live I, with it. that's clearly a better idea. I saw the funniest uh, comedy bit on YouTube the other night. You know, comedian Brian Regan, he's one of the greatest comedians of all time. Um, uh, all comedians think he's the greatest of all time. But anyway, he um, he's got this thing about watching people try to put luggage in the overhead compartment. And how <laughs> could you possibly, what is it about you that makes you think that's going to fit in there? Something that clearly, if you have just the slightest ability to like envision physics or anything like that, is not going to go in there. But they lift it up there and they've got this giant thing pressed up against that little hole. And they're just kind of pushing on it and moving it around it's like what are you possibly thinking <laughs> yeah yeah some magic trick is going to happen where that just squirts in there <laughs> oh that is so frustrating when you're standing in line and you think and that will never under any circumstances fit up there so i don't know what you're gonna do but you gotta do something different than just keep pushing on that uh, and when Joe's airline finally launches, uh, we're going to board from the back of the plane to the front, windows, middles, aisles like that. And it's going to take like three minutes. Now, you cannot stash your suitcase in somebody else's row ah, or your, your carry-on. Death penalty. Under pain of tasing. I was thinking of going with tasing, but I'm willing to consider your proposal. Yeah, that's super uncool to do that. If you miss a segment of the show, get the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.